Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 32494, the earliest show in the archive, 32494. My interview with Donald Trump from 110-2011. 110-2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash savagepremium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. All right, welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. This is a potpourri, and the lead title is what happened to the white people in America? Where did they disappear? I'm going to give you some data. We're talking mainly about TV commercials where white people have been eliminated. And of course, this is the road to, to the elimination of white people in the nation by the hardcore communists. Now you say, okay, you're crazy. Well, you know what? Maybe you're crazy because you can't see as clearly as I can. Maybe you're crazy because you don't know that you're being eliminated in this country. Maybe you're crazy because you're not a student of history as I am. Maybe you're crazy because you haven't studied the history of communism and the bloody roots of this extreme political ideology. And maybe you're crazy because you don't understand that while Biden himself is nothing but a Machiavellian fool, he is surrounded by hardcore communists like, I can name maybe 10 of them. Bernie Sanders, for example, is the most dangerous man in American political history. But that I'll save for another time. So yesterday was Easter Sunday. And I looked into the crucifixion of Justice Clarence Thomas, and I found that who was behind the dark leftist money out to destroy him. We know that the loudest mouth is the new Red Guards chief, Occasional Cortex, who is probably the most dangerous witch in the country. I hope that she's counteracted by Marjorie Taylor Greene, because this hardcore revolutionary communist, Occasional Cortex, would put you into a killing field if she could. Make no mistake about it. Oh, no, she wouldn't get her hands dirty because she would break her nails. But she'd have the black street thugs who are rampaging through America do it for her. Is that a little too harsh for you? I hope so. I hope I shocked you into reality. So I'm going to talk about the disappearance of white people in American media and in American theater and in American movies. The crucifixion of Justice Clarence Thomas and who was behind the dark leftist money. Then we have listener comments on what does Easter mean to you, and they're great. These are my hardcore members of the Savage Nation podcast. And then I'm going to do something new as well right here on the Michael Savage podcast. So let me begin with something I received in the, uh, from the internet, and it's turned out to be factually 100% correct. Because I'm a big TV watcher. I relax by watching movies. I cannot watch regular television anymore because of the, I don't have the words for it, the distortion of reality being created by those who create advertising, TV ads and whatnot. Did you notice there's almost no white people? Did you know of the 328.2 million total citizens in this great nation, there are 236.5 million whites in the United States. 
making up 72% of the population. Let me repeat that. White people make up 72% of the population, despite the push towards diversity and inclusion. You would think you're living somewhere in Indonesia or China, don't you? Or South Africa. Well, someone did a spreadsheet of TV commercials, which shows the following over a four-month period. White men have all but disappeared. When they are in commercials, they're either old, ugly, and sick, or they are the partner of a black woman. They have no speaking part, the white men. Or, if they do, they have a gay male partner. Is that offensive to you? Maybe it's offensive to me. Maybe it's offensive because it doesn't represent this nation. In three of the commercials, the white men are doing laundry and always paired with a little girl to whom they're delivering the clean clothing. Did you know there were zero commercials of white fathers and sons? None. Let me repeat that. The vermin who make up commercials did not create a single commercial showing white fathers and sons. None. Equally disturbing, young white boys and teens have also disappeared from the commercials being created by the vermin in the media. The study found the majority of the children were white girls with a black brother. How's that possible? Most TV commercials have couples that consist of a white woman with a black man. Did you know that? So the question is, does this represent America? Or are they trying to program the young people of today to the future of America? Huh? The study found that in the month of December during the holiday season, there was an uptick in good-looking white male models. And research determined that in each and every case, it was a cologne commercial. And every one of those commercials were made in Europe, where they still use muscular, masculine, white males. One insurance commercial featured a good-looking white guy in his 20s. But he was so dumb that he was incapable of delivering his lines and couldn't even say the name of the insurance company featured in the commercial. Over a period of four months, the study concluded that while the African-American population in America is only 12 or 13% of the population, they were in an astonishing 84.3% of the commercials. Black males are only 5% of the population, yet were in 79.7% of the ads. You like diversity and inclusion? Now, am I offended by it? I'm alarmed by it because I know where this is going. White males make up the largest segment of our population, yet we're only in 4% of the TV commercials. In most of those cases, they are in their 60s to 80s and we're pushing medication for debilitating diseases or reverse mortgages or Medicare plans, the old white men. While the study had many, many more alarming facts, one that really stands out is that each and every ad for new cars featured a woman driver except for Lincoln. Only one ad included a white male passenger, and he is not behind the wheel. A black woman is driving the car. In the commercials for automobiles, there were more black women drivers than white women. Again, Europe was the exception, where Mercedes and BMW had no visible drivers at all. They showed the cars cruising highways with license plates that were obviously European, but never allowed a view where the driver was visible. So the questions arise as follows, according to this study. Who casts these commercial shoots? Who directs the directors to cast certain types only? How did this trend in commercials happen all at the same time? Was it at the federal government direction? 
is there a conspiracy or is this total madness? Is this happening by accident? You know, the death of one black male, Floyd George or Lloyd George or whatever his name was, at the hands of that brutal cop, changed America. It triggered a Pol Pot-like revolution, which is continuing to this day, demasculizing, demasculinizing the American white male, teaching us that white lives need to disappear and that black lives are the only lives that matter. If you want to connect the dots to a bigger story, you can do that. I can do it for you, and I'll probably do it in another podcast. I've been studying communism since I'm 17 years old. And people ask me, why do you continue to do such hard work at your age when you don't have to? After all, most Americans want to retire, don't they, and play golf? Well, I never saw myself retired. I never wanted to play golf. I was an inner city kid. I never learned to play golf. Some of my friends did. I understand the sport is very appealing. I don't understand the appeal of the sport. I understand the skill of the sport, but I find it exceptionally slow-moving and boring. But aside from that, I'm committed to duty, honor, and country. People say, why do you keep doing this? At your age, you have enough money. Why don't you retire? Because I'm committed to stopping the communist revolution that is ongoing right in this country, right in front of my eyes, right in front of your eyes, with a stooge called Joe Biden leading the parade. And don't think he doesn't know what he's doing. Don't think that him and Jill wouldn't do anything to maintain absolute power. In a future podcast, I'm going to do a discovery for you of perhaps the most devastating of all of the communist revolutionaries, which led to the killing fields in Cambodia, Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge. Khmer Rouge means red scarves. We have them in America. They're called teens. We don't call them red scarves. We call them teens. They rampage through America with almost impunity because of people like Jake Tapper, Wolf Blitzer, and the others in the media who give them a pass. There's a war against people in this country being conducted by the Khmer Rouge called teens or homeless. I want to talk about one day I want to talk about Pol Pot and how a quiet, withdrawn, underachiever became responsible for one of the most devastating genocides of the 20th century. How he went to Paris, studied Marxism, came back from Paris and introduced Marxism to his country of uh, Cambodia, and how he first was an underground active member of many communist groups. He found Karl Marx's texts difficult. Instead, he focused on the writings of Joseph Stalin and Chairman Mao. The fact of the matter is, you have to understand that this country is going through social upheaval right now. The same way that Cambodia was going through a period of dramatic change in the 1950s, the early 50s. Cambodia was revolting against French colonial rule. Hmm. And what are the blacks and the communists revolting against in America today? America? American colonial rule? American hegemony? American superiority? White supremacy? It's the same exact mentality. 
They don't use the word communist here. They use the word fairness or equity or inclusion. It's the same exact thing. If we're not careful, this underground movement against white people and against capitalism, which is not so underground, this movement against capitalism, against white people, will lead to the same killing fields that we saw in Cambodia. Oh, not immediately, of course. First, they scrub you from commercials. Then they scrub you from universities. Then they scrub you from the corporations. Then they scrub you from the airlines. And then the population is reclassified into three groups. Those with full rights, those with candidates, and those called depositees. What does that mean by depositees? Those were the Cambodians deposited in the countryside by the communists. And the communists used the thugs, 13, 14-year-old thugs, like our teens, to take the civil servants, the doctors and teachers, and force them to work in the fields as part of their re-education process. If you think it can happen here, you're a bigger fool than you think you are yourself. So settle back and listen to today's podcast, which begins with what happened to the white people in TV commercials, the crucifixion of Justice Clarence Thomas, by the way, which is directly related to this subject. You'll find out who was behind this dark leftist money and why now occasional cortex, who is an outright naked communist, revolutionary, like a Khmer Rouge leader herself, trained by none other than the vermin the worst man in American history, you know who I mean, the old Jewish grandfather type, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, who is Pol Pot. That's right, that's who he is. We then talk about what does Easter mean to you while we can still have religion to talk about. And then we'll go on to other things on this great podcast today, including this subject how to break the chains of Democrat lies and the out-of-control crime wave sweeping American cities. All this and more right here on the one and only Michael Savage Podcast. Thank you for listening. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. Today we're going to look deeply into the crucifixion of justice, Clarence Thomas. And I will disclose for you who is behind the dark leftist or communist money out to destroy this great man. Interesting that he is the only black conservative on the court. And the left is so brazen now that they have no compunction in going after an African-American, calling him every name under the sun, and now calling one of the most honest justices in the history of the Supreme Court a thief, a crook, a bum. So where'd the money come from? Well, let's just start with the money. The story came out from a group called ProPublica, funded to a great extent by George Soros, the devil himself, in my opinion. Soros, wherever you see something evil going on in this country, you can be sure if you lift up the rock, little Soros has run out with their spider tentacles chasing themselves into another dark corner. So, are they the only ones who are out to crucify Clarence Thomas and get him off the Supreme Court and replace him with a communist? No, by no means no. Other top donors include the Emerson Collective of Lauren Powell Jobs. Who is she? Why, that's Stephen Jobs' widow. Did you know that? 
That's in conjunction with the Silicon Valley Community Foundation related to the Silicon Valley Bank. Oh, I don't know. Then there's the suspicious Sandler Foundation. Who is the Sandler Foundation? Look into the banking scandal behind the Sandler's fortune, and you'll understand who the Sandler Foundation is. Huh? Now, Herb Sandler, one of the bank fraudsters, in my opinion, was ProPublica's founding chairman of the board of directors way until 2016. The Sandler Foundation also helped found the Center for American Progress, another pro-communist organization, the Sierra Club, another lying organization, and the worst of all of them, the American Civil Liberties Union, one of the most dangerous groups in American history. There's more money coming from George Soros through the George Soros Foundation to promote open society and other groups. So they call themselves investigative journalists and idiots like Jake Tapper said they were a reliable source. That tells you Jake Tapper is nothing but a pimp for the far radical murderous left, in my opinion. But what did they do to our dear friend Clarence Thomas? Well, let's look into it. Everyone knows it was a hit job from the get-go. They say his travel at the expense of a rich friend was a violation of the rules. Well, we all know that's false for a number of reasons because Biden himself has taken many trips and stayed in many homes of very wealthy friends, hasn't he? So what they're trying to do is tear down Justice Thomas because he has a working originalist majority on the court. I'm not the only one on this. Even the Washington Post knows this is politics, plain and simple. Now, this crucifixion of Justice Thomas resulted as a result of the ProPublica report accusing Clarence Thomas of improperly receiving lavish vacations from Republican megadonor Harlan Crow. This report by the fraudulent ProPublica accuses Justice Thomas of taking trips across the world on Crow's yacht and private jet without disclosing them. And Crow himself acknowledged, quote, extending, quote, hospitality to Thomas, but insisted he never asked for it and that the two families have been friends for decades. Is he alone in this? The lying ProPublica report, funded by George Soros, the evil one, claimed that trips taken by Thomas have no known precedent in modern history of U.S. Supreme Court, which is a total lie. There's no there there because the justices have received gifts of hospitality from their friends forever. And many of the justices have taken far more trips than Justice Thomas on somebody else's expense, including Justice Breyer, the leftist, who everyone knows took at least 233 trips when he was sitting on the bench. And as I've said, the stench from the bench making me clench. Did you know that the justices are permitted to accept invites to properties of friends for dinner or vacations without paying for it or disclosing it? Did you know that? If you know anything about the Supreme Court, you'll know he's not alone. Did you know about the late Justice, Justice Ruth Bad Girl Ginsburg, that fetid left-wing fanatic? She officiated at a same-sex wedding before the decision that federally recognized gay marriage. That indicated a far-left bias from which she should have recused herself and been thrown off the bench. But everyone was afraid of touching old Ruthie because she was a woman and she was Jewish. I'll say it like it is, and I'm sick of hiding the fact that some people are more equal than others in the media. But did you also know that justices are not required to disclose invitations and travel that are considered, quote, personal hospitality? 
Did you know the Supreme Court is not subject to an ethics code? Even the Washington Post reported that the Judicial Conference, which is the policymaking body of the Supreme Court, decided just last month that judges must report travel by private jet, which proves, by the way, that Thomas was abiding by the rules until this law was passed. You understand that? It reinforces the fact that Justice Thomas, a very good man, has been acting within the rules and according to the practices. That has been accepted for many decades. What is hospitality? That includes when somebody picks you up to take you to the house or to their property. That's what hospitality is. Just because he has a rich friend who provided a plane or a boat to do so does not make it less than hospitality. Jonathan Turley, constitutional law professor that he is, said this. Even lower court judges were not required to report such trips under a personal hospitality exception, unquote. He went on. He said Justice Thomas would not have been required to report the trips under the prior rule, Turley said. Once again, the Democrats and the media are engaging in the same hair-triggered responses to any story related to Justice Thomas. This includes the clearly absurd call for an impeachment by the fetid, insane representative Alexandria Occasional Cortex, unquote. Everyone knows this is a hit piece on a black conservative. It's stupid. Just because he has a rich friend, that doesn't make it a crime. This is another high-tech lynching of Clarence Thomas for going on vacation with his friend. The disclosure laws for judges linked in the story that says they don't have to report gifts from personal friends was ignored by the George Soros-funded ProPublica. That was left out of the story by these left-wing fanatics. Now, what did Justice Thomas himself have to say? Here is what he had to say in his own defense. He released a statement which said, Harlan and Kathy Crow are among our dearest friends, and we have been friends for over 25 years, Thomas said in a statement. As friends do, we have joined them on a number of family trips during the more than quarter century we have known them. Early in my tenure at the court, I sought guidance from my colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable. I've endeavored to follow that counsel throughout my tenure and have always sought to comply with the disclosure guidelines. Justice Thomas acknowledged that the guidelines were just changed last month and it is, quote, his intent to follow this guideline in the future, unquote. Well, that's very good. He released a public statement. Justices have long been guests of private hosts, said Turley. They are allowed to have friends and accept their hospitality. There is no evidence that Crow had business before the court. Nevertheless, expensive gifts or benefits should be disclosed, in my view, in the interest of a court integrity. Blah, 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 blah. What I'd like to see are all the trips, all of the hospitality extended to Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, and all the Democrat double-talking phonies. And that's what I have to say about the crucifixion of Justice, Justice Thomas. And we've disclosed who is behind the dark leftist money. Never forget, wherever there's an insult to the intelligence of the American people and to justice itself, George Soros and his filthy son are not to be found too far behind. Just pick up a rock and watch the cockroaches run out, and you'll see they all have the dirt from George Soros' money on their little feelers. This is sickening, just sickening to me. And now you know the rest of the story right here on the Michael Savage Podcast. More to follow. Be here or be nowhere. 
the Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. What does Easter mean to you? I know Easter is over. It was Sunday, but I have a membership of quite a few people, and we asked my members this exact question. And so what you're about to hear are member comments about what Easter means to each of them, and these are selected uh, responses, and some of them are worth repeating, and so therefore, here we go. What does Easter mean to you? Well, someone named Lourdes, I don't know if that's a real name, says, Easter to me means a love that comes from God that is unmatchable in anything I could ever find or seek. Oh, that's an interesting one. Hmm. In the earthly life, the Son of God who died for me for all of us because he so loved the world. Every soul is precious to Jesus, and if Jesus had to go through his passion and give all his blood just to save one soul, he would have gladly done it. No one will ever match the love God has for me. This is a reminder that I need to love like he did. I could keep going and going, but we'll stop here. Thank you, Savage Team. For all you do, have a blessed Easter. This comes from Lourdes Dishler. Beautiful, well put, and well stated, by the way, on what Easter means to this individual. Next, what does Easter mean to you? Comes from someone named SGUSA, Stephen Gossard. In a nutshell, it gives people like myself faith that there is a God and an afterlife, along with knowing that you can be forgiven for your sins if you believe in the scriptures from the Christian Bible. Short and sweet, right? That's what he says. We move on to the next one. What does Easter mean to this individual? Christopher Smith says, new life for sure. Your career in life has to be a living metaphor to the message of Easter in a human sense, Michael. Seeing how you have remade yourself time and again is an inspiration and consolation in my own life. Have a blessed season. Uh, and thank you for your example of fortitude and greatness. <laughs> no, it's true. I keep reinventing myself because what choice do we have at the end of the day, right? We keep going. It's, it's like a, you know, a crucifixion, a resurrection. Each career is a, is, is a new resurrection to me. Betsy Sanger says, good morning, Mr. Savage. Easter to me is a time of rebirth, a time of renewed joy, remembering the suffering and risen Christ, knowing how he suffered so that we may live, just as the angel of death passed over the houses covered in lamb's blood. Our lamb was on the cross. It is a time of deep prayer for each other and for peace, a time to pray deeply for our country, to remember our roots and what it stood for. That is what it means to me, says Betsy. Betsy, thank you. That is well put. That is heartfelt. And I appreciate your responding to the uh, question. James Simmons says, Easter or Resurrection Sunday is deeply significant for me. Being churchless makes this difficult too. The deliverance over death for me releases the fear of the unknown. Also, the metaphor of the next 50 days until Pentecost Sunday is the receiving of the spirit and mission for a new religious and spiritual year. This is my favorite holiday due to its liberation message and connection to Passover. Thanks, James Simmons. Well thought out. Much appreciated. Kathleen Salk writes, enjoyed your video thoroughly. That's the one I did on Passover. Your beautiful truths delivered in candor and frankness is so appreciated as always. Easter is the celebration after the darkness of an innocent man crucified and miraculously risen. You see through his divine mercy if we ask. We can be forgiven, alone for our sins, promised to sin no more. Jesus died on a cross so that you and I can enjoy everlasting life. That's what Easter means to me. Thanks, Doc, today and always. 
I pray the peace, joy, and love of Jesus be with you. Thanks, Kathleen. That's very nice of you. This is actually more fun than I thought it would be. William Lee says, the celebration of Easter for me is the most important holiday in the Christian faith. To remember this day should comfort all because with his resurrection, we have eternal life. Death has lost its grip and we no longer have to fear. Either Christ was telling the truth or he was the biggest con man in history. I choose to believe him. I hope you will also, Dr. Savage. Regards, William Lee, premium subscriber. And I appreciate your being a subscriber, by the way, William. Daniel Chimino says, remembering Jesus rising from the dead. That's what Easter means to him. Very well put. Simple and fast. Reverend Brian Velez says, hello, Savage Nation team. Easter is a holiday with pagan origins. With Ishtar and Semiramis, the Roman Catholic Church used it many centuries ago to make the religion more marketable to non-believers of Yeshua HaMashiach. For more information, this seems like a good source of the matter. He says, blessings, Brian. I guess he doesn't believe in the traditional Christian view of Easter. Okay, but we run everything here. Alice Harris says, Easter means the sacrifice for the sake of all others and the unconditional love of God. That's all very simple. Aaron Psalm says, hi, Dr. Savage. Easter is the reason Christianity exists. It is the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. It explains the faith of the disciples and the transformation of Saul of Tarsus. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron, for being a member and for taking the time to answer the question. Lawrence Indiviglia says, Dear Savage and team, thank you for asking this deep and meaningful question. As always, you encourage us to think, and perhaps with this question, many will have some intrinsic feelings as well. This year, more than ever, it means light and truth. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit, in light and in truth. John 4, 23, 24, with continued respect and admiration. Larry Indiviglia. Thanks, Larry, from New York City. Daniel Caro answers this way. Honored to receive an email from Dr. Savage's organization. I myself have allowed myself to drift away from the Lord and his meaning and power, but never forget. That is the biggest thing that this day, Resurrection Day, I'm afraid, means to me, is that it's losing its meaning to us U.S. citizens, unfortunately. Daniel Caro. I don't know how to answer that. Dan Lavarando says, Easter means simply a new day for all. Very succinct, Dan. I appreciate your answer. Michael Corelli says, eternal hope for mankind despite all the daily trials, tribulations of modern life, and the reaffirmation that good can and always will triumph over evil. Michael Corelli, thank you for taking the time as a member of the Savage Premium Club to answer that question. And this concludes the first portion of What Does Easter Mean to You? right here on the Michael Savage Podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. And welcome to Hour 2 of the Count. I'm Mike Carter, and this is the second hour where we count down the major stories of the week. And it's time now for story number five, San Fran Psycho. America's tech capital could be on the brink of collapse as remote workers are fleeing the city by the bay. During the first quarter of 2023, San Francisco's office vacancy rate hit a record high 29.4 percent. That's the biggest three-year increase of any U.S. city and nearly eight times the pre-pandemic level. As of January, nearly 30% of the city's job openings 
or hybrid or fully remote. That's the highest share out of all of America's 50 largest cities. And those businesses that were thinking about returning to in-office employees, well, they're finding it hard to recruit top, and ca- top talent to a dangerous city full of feces and needles. Cash App founder Bob Lee was stabbed to death this week in Pelosi's district in downtown Rincon, Rincon Hill neighborhood. The father of two told his friend UFC fighter Jake Shields San Francisco was deteriorating. He sold his longtime multi-million dollar home in Mill Valley last year to move to Miami like everyone else and was only traveling back. Michael Savage is the host of the Michael Savage podcast, and he knows all too well about the state of San Francisco and what it's become. Uh, Michael, thank you for joining us. We just talked about the crisis in Chicago, uh, San Francisco, for folks who haven't been there in the last decade. It's changed a lot, hasn't it? Mike, all you got to do is say Pelosi and you'll understand it's the most corrupt city in the United States of America. It's a third world city in many places, and I love this city. I moved here in 74 as a very open, tolerant, and safe city. What's happened, though, is psychopaths have taken over this city. Psychopaths in the media, psychopaths in the government. This man, Bob Lee, was killed four or five days ago. The dumb police still don't have a suspect with cameras all over the street. Oh, they had cameras to show him stumbling around with knife wounds in his chest. But where is the footage of him being stabbed? Why are there no suspects? Because the police chief, because the mayor, because everyone in this government is corrupt and incompetent. That is why there is no suspect that has been named yet. It's not the SFPD. They can and they would do their job if we had a non-corrupt mayor, a non-corrupt system in this city. But remember, it's under Nancy Pelosi. What do you expect? She let the city run under her skirts. And this is what we have. This man bleeding to death in the streets. But this isn't the only story. Two days later, a person that we personally have known was in one of the safest, quote, districts in the city, the Marina District, came out of his, this is a a district that, by the way, was largely Italian for 100 years, 80 years, very safe, very clean, near the bay, and beautiful, very beautiful. He's in his mother's house. He's a grown man, a former fire commissioner, big guy. And there's crackheads in the mother's doorway for three days. The police don't do anything because the rotten, corrupt city told them hands off on the crackheads. Don't touch them. They're the sacred cow. But they're in the mother's doorway. She's in her 70s. So the son goes downstairs to talk to the crackheads. They pick up a metal pipe and they break his skull open. They pull out a knife and slash his face open. He's in critical condition in the hospital. And guess what? They caught one of the perpetrators a few minutes later because the cops knew who he was. One of San Francisco's finest pieces of human trash. They're like human garbage. I'm sick of this already. This glorification of homeless, homeless, homeless. They're not homeless. That's the wrong word. That's the wrong word. I'm sick of this. I've called for cures for this for at least 10 years. I knew this would come. And by the way, this is only the beginning of what's coming to this city. If people think this is bad, It's only going to get worse. And by the way, the cancer is now spreading into the suburbs. Right across the Bay Bridge, there are the, quote, suburbs of Sausalito and Marin County. Break-ins, robberies, rapes. And why? Because the morons who run Sausalito created a homeless encampment right near the most expensive real estate in Sausalito on the base of these filthy, degenerate drug addicts 
could have a safe space to smoke crack. And like human rats, they're running all over the city now and destroying a once beautiful ex-fishing village called Sausalito. I'm sick of glorifying these people. Yeah, I'm it, sick of telling us they're victims, victims, victims. They are victimizing us. And we need to round them up and put them in safe places where they will get the care that they need. And that means internment camps for the bums across America. You know, speaking of Give victims, Dr. Savage, because they're not going to get it in the streets. Speaking of victims, Dr. Savage, Elon Musk uh, tweeted this this week. Many people I know have been severely assaulted. Violent crime in San Francisco is horrific. And even if attackers are caught, they are often released immediately. I mean, is there political will to fix this, Dr. Savage? Or are they those people who live there, are they just like the people in Chicago, just like the people in New York who will continue voting for far-left mayors over and over and over again uh, ad infinitum? Mike, Musk is one of my heroes. He's a great man on many levels. And of course, he's being unfairly attacked by the vermin on the left because he dared free Twitter from the censorship that we've all experienced for so many years before he bought it. So they're trying to destroy him, taking away advertisers, calling a right-wing nut. Everything that they have in their arsenal, they're throwing at one of America's greatest men. Will the city change? Do you know, Mike, that I tried to tell people about the stabbing of Mike Lee, about the beating of the fire commissioner by crackheads? Do you know they didn't even know what happened? Do you know why? Because of the vermin who run the San Francisco Chronicle. That's right, you heard me. There's a massive propaganda campaign in San Francisco to cover up virtually all crimes except racism and transphobia. Those are the only crimes that they will report unless a crime is committed by a white person. Any crime committed by a person of color is swept under the rug by the sickos who run that newspaper. So the idiots who rely upon the newspaper for their news, they have no idea that Bob Lee was stabbed to death. They have no idea the fire commission was smashed in the head by wonderful citizens who were smoking crack in his mother's doorway because the newspaper is worth less than a piece of toilet paper. That's why. And I'm going to, you know, look, you know me, Mike. <laughs> there's a time to be nice. There's a time to be polite. There's a time to say it like it is. And I'm saying it like it is. We're losing our cities yeah. one by one. And they all have something in common, Mike. You know what that is? Again, this is going to be an embarrassing point for everyone listening. Take a look at who runs New York. Take a look at who runs San Francisco. They're not just far left activists. No, none of them are white. That's right. They made it a racial issue to make sure that people felt guilty about electing another white person. And this is what we have as a result. So you have to ask yourself, is it a racial thing or is it a political thing? Or are racial politics and political things combined now? Is it now a tribal thing? All I can say is this, it doesn't matter whether you're black, white, or Hispanic, you are entitled to a clean, safe city. And the only people who kept these animals away from the average taxpayer and worker were the police. And the police were first destroyed with dark money from George Soros and the other anti-American rats who have come out of the woodwork to first take down the police, then take down the DAs, and now take down the whole city. They're worse than a dirty bomb upon our cities, Mike. The only thing that could save us, the only thing that could save us is more police and more jails. And I'll say it again. More police and build more jails, not the reverse. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. 
Welcome back to The Count. We're back with host of the Michael Savage podcast and author of God, Faith, and Reason, Dr. Michael Savage. Like, I would like to switch gears a little bit, uh, Dr. Savage. Of course, this week was the celebration of Passover. We have Easter tomorrow. Uh, you have a holiday message that uh, relates to our country as it stands today and uh, the oppression uh, we face by this government. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yes. Thanks, Mike. It's a very important message. Passover is a holiday for children steeped in great tradition. And I remember it since I'm a child. Of course, of course, the message was strange for a child. We were slaves in Egypt, and then God freed us, and he parted the Red Sea. It's mythology. And of course, tradition is something I do believe in up to a point. But I think it's time we broke the chain of some traditions and stopped talking about being enslaved in Egypt because we're enslaved right now under Joe Biden and his Sovieteers. The fact is, is that he has put us in chains. He's chained us to his ideology of insanity and lies. Biden is a pathological liar who cannot tell the truth even if he tried. So I would argue, as I have in my book, God, Faith, and Reason, that there's a more modern way to interpret this holiday of Passover, which is, let's not talk about the victimhood of being slaves in Egypt thousands of years ago. It's okay to know that, but you could see what it does to a person's mind when they walk around saying, I was enslaved. So now you have African-Americans demanding reparations, even though none of them were ever slaves. So we're well, going to have Jews demanding reparations from Egyptians. How stupid can we get? So I'm saying let's update our whole concept of Passover while not, well, keeping the traditions. And let's talk about a government that's enslaving us with high taxation, with criminality of the highest level at every level, with wars, with famine, with fatigue in the people's minds. They can't take it anymore, Mike. So I say it's time to understand that we don't have to talk about the chains of Egypt, the chains of that kind of slavery. We have to talk about breaking the bondage of Joe Biden's pathological lies break free. And unfortunately, if I were to go into a synagogue and try to save this, they'd probably have me arrested. They wouldn't accept any of this because too many Jewish people are trapped in the doxy of far left politics and they don't look beyond their own nose. You guys listen to it over and over again, over and over again, the same rubbish. Republicans are bad. Republicans are racist. Democrats are good. Democrats are for the poor. Democrats protect Jews. Nothing could be further from the truth. And I'll turn it back to Trump. Donald Trump was the most pro-Jewish president I have seen in my entire lifetime, not just in moving the embassy to Jerusalem, which was unto itself a phenomenal deal, but he created peace through the Abraham Accords. How could we forget that? Simple. With Soros's dark money and the vermin in the media lying every day about Trump, we've forgotten already. That at one point under Trump, the Arabs and the Jews shook hands. He brought them together. He created a great peace in the Middle East. And what did he get for that? He got called every name under the sun to this day, mainly by the media and, of course, by liberal Jews who call him a racist. Because why? Because they don't think. They just react and react and react. And so, again, you got to break the chain of lies. No, Trump is not anti-Semitic. I have to remind people that he has Jewish grandchildren. I have to remind people that he brought the Jews and the Arabs together. 
I have to try to remind people that he was the most pro-Jewish president in American history. But sometimes there's only so much reminding you can do, Mike, isn't there? Mm. The people are, bl are blind. Many of them are deaf. And most of them, are, unfortunately, are quite stupid. They do not know and they don't want to know their own history. And so, Mike, they are condemned to repeat it. And they're condemned to live in the chains, the prison of lies that they grew up in. Is the author, Michael Savage. That's my word. That's my word on this subject. And Mike. you find his book out right now, uh, author of God, Faith and Reason, Dr. Michael Savage. Find his podcast, the Dr. Michael Savage podcast. Appreciate you joining us on this holy weekend, doctor. Happy Easter to everyone out there. Absolutely. Happy Easter. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.